It's another game day for Tennessee football and first-year head coach Josh Heupel. Get in the know with GameQuest, a VolQuest pregame podcast with Ben McKee and Eric Kane. GameQuest starts now. Welcome to the Game Quest. It's Pittsburgh week here on VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane alongside Ben McKee. Got a fun show planned here for you this game day morning to get you set for the Johnny Majors Classic in Pittsburgh coming up at noon. This episode of Game Quest brought to you in part by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. You can visit four of the uh, local locations in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and the newest location in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike across from Traders Joe, or you can buy online at their website at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Smoky Mountain Organics, it features the best brands in CBD products, bath and body care items, organic teas, and had the largest selection of plant therapy essential oils in Tennessee, plus many, many more items. All right, so being new to VolQuest, they want to start off by welcoming all the new Vol fans at any location, if you mention VolQuest, they're going to give you 15% off your total purchase price. That's on in-store purchases only. Again, special thanks to Smoky Mountain Organics. Ben McKee, it is game day. Tennessee's 1-0. Pittsburgh is 1-0. The Johnny Majors Classic should be a fun day. It is. I hope you are doing well. I hope everybody listening is, is doing well, and I hope everybody, before the day begins, takes a minute to remember what happened 20 years ago. Uh, September 11th, uh, thoughts and prayers with with those families who were heavily affected. And then obviously our, our country, that was a, a major event that uh, we will never remember. So I wanted to, to start off by taking a moment to, to remember that uh, because it is very significant and, and more important than the football game that will be played today. But it, it's a heck of a football game, man. I, I think this is a, a great matchup. And I was I was jacked up last week for the Bowling Green game, the season opener. Football is back, but I'm even more jacked up this week because it, it's just a, a different different mindset when when you know it's going to be a good football game. It, it's it's not as perplexing, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, when you know Tennessee is going to win. It, it's just it really gets the juices flowing when you get to sit down before the game and break it down from an X's and O standpoint, look at the matchups and and know that it's going to be a really good football game. So I'm jacked up on this Saturday morning, my friend. Yeah, I am too, man. We're going to break down all the, the key battles, who is Pittsburgh, who's Tennessee, what we learned from week one, all that stuff and more. So it should be a fun and interesting game. And um, I couldn't agree with you more echoing the thoughts of remembering what happened um, you know, on this day back in 2001, never forgets uh, thoughts and prayers continued on for the families and everyone affected for our country. And also maybe the weirdest transition in podcasting history. I, before we get started, want to wish you a happy birthday. All everybody on the general quarters, make sure you wish Ben McKee a happy birthday. Go just like you did with me, go find old embarrassing photos of him and wish him a happy birthday. Well, it's already oh. happened. Oh, it, it's already good. happened. I believe it's a uh, vol in South Carolina. Well, he goes, Volan SC, and uh, he, he's he's changed his avatar to a, a photo of me and as a junior in high school. So it, it's already started. But I, I appreciate the birthday wishes, and, and like I said last week on the podcast, it's a guaranteed W for the Vols today. All right, let's let's see if it plays. Just simply because <laughs> they're playing on my birthday, guaranteed W. Let's see if it pans out that way. Well, what's Tennessee's record in the last couple of years, at least on your birthday? 
Oh, I, well, I guess they well, have. A, I guess they have a play every Saturday on your birthday, so never mind. Right. It's typically like the day before or, or yeah. the day after my birthday. Birthday weekendish. Right. the The last game I believe that was on my birthday was the, I think it was the 2010 Oregon game with the rain delay Good and times. Tennessee losing. Yes. So good times. Uh, that that that's the only one that I remember off the top of my head. But it's it's not been good to me now. The Battle of Bristol, this one's pretty cool. Battle of Bristol started on the 10th, but because it was such a late night with like three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, midnight struck. And so like the final two to three minutes of the Battle of Bristol was on my birthday. So one and one. Can I take credit for that? Yeah, yeah. Take credit for that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's really that, that's really, really kind of cool when you think about it, how it didn't start on your birthday, but it ended on your birthday. And mm. one, of, one of the you know, most iconic scenes in college football, the Battle of Bristol. So uh, let's move on, Ben. Simple question. We'll start things off. You know, Pittsburgh, who is Pittsburgh to you? After going through all their stats and video from last year, seeing all the highlights from week one, uh, what is this Pat Narduzzi coached ball club in Pittsburgh to you? Well coached. That is, that's kind of where I start. I I just think they kind of do everything well. I, I don't know that they do anything any one thing great per se, but they're just solid across the board. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some matchups that I do like in, in Tennessee's favor, or at least one matchup that I like in Tennessee's favor that I think has a good chance of determining whether Tennessee loses or, or wins the game. Uh, but across the board, really solid. Uh, what separates them from or, or the better part of their team is, without a doubt, Kenny Pickett. I mean, that's where you kind of start and stop with with him. I, I think this this Pitt team is going to go as he goes. And unfortunately for him, he doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him. So he'll be hampered by some, uh, you know, some things around him within that offense. Uh, but you, you look at Kenny Pickett, that's where you start when you look at this team. Uh, he's very talented. I think he's as good of a quarterback as as Tennessee is going to play this season, at least looking at the schedule as of as of right now. Uh, I, I don't know that Tennessee's going to play, you know, two or three quarterbacks better than Kenny Pickett, and it kind of reminds me of of Zach Wilson and, and BYU. Not his style of play, but just kind of an early season matchup against a very talented quarterback that maybe a ton of people don't know about and. Uh, he's got some playmakers sprinkled around him. I'm not in love with with Pittsburgh's running game. Uh, was, was not that effective last year. The ACC uh, finished 13th out of 15 teams in the ACC in, in rushing the football. But uh, Kenny Pickett has some weapons that he can get the ball to. And in watching uh, Pitt against UMass earlier this week, uh, Lucas Cruel, the tight end, really stood out. Uh, he He looks like he could potentially be – uh, a, a mismatch, uh, whether where wherever they line him up, whether it's on the end of the line of scrimmage or, or whether they split him out in the slot. Uh, Theo Jackson will have his hands full. I'm, I'm sure they'll be matched up a couple of times. I'm curious to see if if Tim Banks tries to avoid getting a linebacker matched up on, on Lucas Cruel, but I don't know how you're going to be able to avoid it. That's it's, something it's that unavoidable. you can, yeah, right. That that's something you can speak more to, uh, having played college football at a, a very high level. Uh, and, and just being the stud that you are, former Bojangles player of the week. I mean, hey. I'll, I'll let you handle that breakdown part of the pod. But I like Lucas Cruel. I think he's a, a legitimate weapon 
for Kenny Pickett. Jordan Addison stands out uh, as a receiver. A smaller guy, uh, he, he kind of reminds me of, funny enough, Deontay Johnson of the Steelers. Not saying that he's that good, but in terms of playing style, a smaller guy that makes the tough catches can go up and make tough catches. Uh, that That's kind of what stood out to me when I saw him on film. And then you see Shockey. Jaquez Louise, which may be the greatest name Tennessee will encounter all, all season long. Shockey, uh, what a name. And they like to use him kind of uh, in the slide and get him in motion before the snap. And Second to maybe and, bumper pool from last year, Arkansas. But outside of that, I agree. <laughs> bumper pool, terrific name. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, those are some of the weapons that stand out to me. And then on, on defense, it all starts and stops with Kalijah Cansey, their, their defensive tackle. And uh, we'll get into the O-line, D-line matchup here in, in a little bit, I imagine. And uh, with the potential of Cooper Mays missing the game, that that could be a, a big matchup to circle. It is a big matchup regardless, even if Cooper does play, uh, because Tennessee's going to have to slow down Kalijah Cansey. Tennessee's interior linemen are going to have to play well against him. Yeah, let's let's not bury the lead here. I, I echo your thoughts on, on Kenny Pickett. I mean, you talk about a fifth-year quarterback, a four-year starter, a guy that has been there, done that. He's played in a lot of big games. I mean, that, I mean, that bodes well going on the road in week two to begin a season. I mean, that, and especially in a hostile environment like Neyland Stadium. Um, I, I think uh, you know Addison, the receiver, uh, Jordan Addison, whatever his name is, the the sophomore who was runner up for ACC Freshman of the Year last year. I think he's a talented player. Lucas Kroll is going to be a a, a, mit, a mitch, mismatch nightmare, I believe, uh, at times for Tennessee, and so. Uh, you know, kind of what you said there about having to match up and, you know, bringing Theo down there and, and helping out with the secondary on him is going to be critical. But, yeah, let's not bury the lead here. It's, it's you know, Pat Narduzzi is all about defense, right? Is this the 2020 defense? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. This is game two. You lost a lot of talent from that defense, five starters, two of which are in the NFL now, or more than two got, or were invited to camps. But just looking at the stats from last year, man, second in the country in sacks per game and TFLs per game, third in the country in rush defense, 93 yards on average is what Pitt gave up last year. A second in total yardage allowed, 339 yards per game. Uh, again, you lost five starters, but you bring back so many more contributors that have been involved in that winning culture on that side of the ball. Now, it's game two. I'm not saying that this defense is that defense. We'll have to see, but – you know, when I think of Pitt, I think, okay, you got some promise offensively because of your quarterback, but you're a defensive team and you're going to be getting after the passer. And it's going to be so critical for Tennessee's offensive line that you pointed out to work together with the backs, uh, with the H backs, um, and, and tight ends and everybody else involved and in trying to protect Joe Milton to give him a chance to try to get out of this rut that he's currently in quarters two through four of the Bowling Green game. So, I think it's going to be critical. Pittsburgh's defense against Tennessee's offense that, again, what did we learn in week one from Tennessee? I mean, not a whole lot. It was Bowling Green. We learned that Joe Milton can't struggle like that. We learned that Tennessee's got some promise running the football. But I think that matchup, you know, Tennessee-O, Pittsburgh defense, it's going to be the one to watch all Sunday or all Saturday long today because I think on the other side of the ball, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, I think Tennessee has a chance to, you know, make some plays over there against Kenny Pickett. I agree. Uh, no doubt about it. And to, to kind of go back to your point about everybody chipping in to slow down this Pittsburgh front seven, you know, you're really concerned with 
with, with Tyon Evans uh, it, looking like he's not going to be able to play uh, because yep. of, of COVID protocols. That was reported on, on Thursday. And Tyon Evans is Tennessee's best back in pass pro. And all of a sudden, he's not available. And you're going to be relying on Jabari Small, who uh, is still – he's still young. I think we forget how young Jabari Small is. I mean, he's, he's only in his second year. And he came close to totaling the amount of carries in game one that he did all of last season. So we, we forget how young Jabari Small is because he is one of the returning guys. And we heard a bunch about him throughout the offseason. And he is a good back, don't get me wrong, but he's still trying to become an all-around great back. And, and part of that is improving in pass pro. And uh, if I remember correctly, in his media availability that he did last week, he admitted that Tyon is probably the best in pass pro yeah. uh, in the running back room. And so and he did earlier, earlier in fall camp as well. Exactly. And, and so now Tyon's out. You've got Jabari who's trying to improve in that area. And then you're going to have a freshman thrown into the mix in, in Jalen, right? So uh, you, you talk about what we learned from game one. I said this on the post game pod. We did at VolQuest. I felt like we learned that Tennessee is going to have to rely on the run this this season. That that Tennessee is is really really going to have to run the football well if the offense is going to have success. Because I, I just think right now there there's a lot of concerns with the passing offense. Joe Milton, uh, the receivers getting off press and dealing yeah. with physicality on the perimeter and those open. those those cornerbacks. One's a fifth year cornerback. They, they are returning starters. They will be up playing press man in your mm-hmm. face, you know, yep. Javante Payton, how are you going to get out the line of scrimmage? Uh, I, I have confidence in Cedric Tillman a little bit more so after He's last He's the only week. one I have confidence in, yeah. in Tennessee's receivers room. I mean, if you – if Valus, Jalen Hyatt, uh, you know, the, the Jimmies, whoever's out there, Walker Merrill, I mean, you're going to have to – you're going to have to fight to get out the line of scrimmage and then fight to gain separation. Those corners are good. Yeah, so – that, that was kind of why I felt like we learned in the Bowling Green game that Tennessee was really going to have to rely on the run this season. And now you, you look ahead to the game that I feel is going to swing the season one way or the other, and all of a sudden the running game becomes a question mark because no Tyon Evans, probably your best back, possibly no Cooper Mays, <laughs> and you're having to, to slide Jerome Carvin over maybe play Ollie Lane again. And I thought Ollie played well against Bowling Green, but you're going up against Pittsburgh and Kalijah Kansi, who Bowling Green doesn't have that type of player on the roster. Yeah. So all of a sudden the running game becomes a huge question mark. And, and here's where I'll say this, uh, you know, Tyon Evans very much in question for this football game, very much Cooper Mays, very much in question for this football game. And so, yeah, I mean, that presents some problems for sure on that side of the football. And to your point, if Cooper Mays cannot go, I think it's a full-blown conclusion that Jerome Carvin's going to snap the ball. Now, it's great that you got Ollie Lane some reps, and, and hopefully Ollie Lane's the guy you can, you can rely on for depth purposes moving forward. Uh, could he get the start at guard if, if, uh, if Coop's not out there? Potentially. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking considering he's the one that came in and played all last week. But, Ben, I feel like against this front – Potentially, and with the interior presence that a guy like Clancy that you just mentioned that he, he's going to bring, or Clancy, excuse me, I mean, maybe it makes more sense to slide Cade Mays back in there to guard and bring in Dane Davis. We didn't see that combination in game one, didn't have to see it, but it is a combination we will see sooner or later. So uh, I'm intrigued by that potentially because uh, I, you know, I, I don't think 
it would be wise right now to maybe roll in a Jackson Lampley, a, a Kingston Harris against those type of defensive tackles. Um, and, and maybe they this will. Is where, this is where you really miss Riley Locklear. Yeah. Riley Locklear would, would really help solve up this this issue. And I don't, I don't know who you bring in off the bench because it, you're trying to get your best five on the field. And I agree with you. Cade Mays, it, it would probably be best suited to slide him back inside. But just based off of what we saw last week, I think that tells us that they don't have a ton of faith in Dane Davis right now, that yeah. they have more faith in, in Ollie Lane. And uh, this morning uh, in the war room, Kingston Harris's name was was mentioned as a possible uh, option there at, at guard uh, if, if Ollie were to struggle or, or even start or play ahead of Ollie. So uh, that tells me, just reading between the lines, that they don't feel great about putting Dane Davis in as, I guess, that sixth offensive lineman, uh, that first one off the bench. And again, this is where the the injury to, you mentioned Locklear, but to Karon Calvert just, just kills you, man. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Because um, I agree with everything you just said. I, I just think that, as we've pointed out many, many times you know, during camp, at least I did. I think the biggest thing, the biggest hindrance for this Tennessee team is not talent. The Tennessee team has talent. It's a lack of depth and the lack of depth in key spots. And now early on the season, we're seeing how uh, disastrous it could potentially be. So, but I mean, you look at this Pittsburgh defense, you still return. We mentioned, um, you know, Cansey, who's a tremendous player. Uh, you bring back Alexander at one end. Uh, Cam Bright is uh, kind of that star position, but very much involved in the run game. Really more of a linebacker, if you ask me. Uh, John Patrician had a really nice, strong game against UMass in week one. You got uh, you know, Dennis, uh, I can't say his first name, but he played. He plays both inside and outside. He played a whole lot last year. Phil Campbell. So all these guys I'm mentioning right now, you know, were a part of this defense last year that, you know, was was fantastic. So, Again, um, I, I like what I saw from Princeton Fan a little bit against Bowling Green. I like what I saw against Ollie Lane. I mean, there was a – I mentioned this um, either on a radio show or a podcast or something earlier this week. I can't remember. Maybe a practice report. But on that uh, – I think it was the 19-yard run from Evans to score in the third quarter. You saw Ollie Lane trap, pull across, kick the MN out on the line of scrimmage. Princeton Fan run up into the hole and block the linebacker, and that sprung, you know, tie on Evans. I mean, I you know, Tennessee being – uh, more strategic with the way that you know it's it's you know blocking a hat on a hat I think is something that uh, could be beneficial in this game. So critical the front seven for for Pitt against Tennessee's offensive line and pass game that protects Joe Milton. But you know let's go ahead and transition to Joe Milton here. You know say they give him protection. Um, you know what does Joe Milton need to do? You can't fix everything from week one to week two, and I don't think everything was on Joe Milton, but a lot of it was. You simply can't start. Uh, 10 of 12 and then finish 11 of 23 or whatever it was. You can't do that. Um, you know, everybody misses deep throws. And again, if you would have connected on those two to Tillman, one of which was, gosh, it was all the way in Fountain City. The other one was just outside the stretch of, uh, of a diving Tillman. But if you would have connected on those two, I mean, that's two more touchdowns and I mean, what, you know, a hundred more yards passing. So it would have looked a lot having better. This conversation. Yeah. But he's got to get better and, I mean, there's no question, Ben, if, if Joe Milton performs like he did against Bowling Green, he might not finish the game, and Tennessee's certainly not going to win the game. I, I agree with you. I, I do for sure. Uh, Joe Milton has to has to play well. He can't play like he did against Bowling Green and Tennessee win this football game. I, I would be very surprised if he played the same way and Tennessee won. I, I just don't think the, those two things go together uh, whatsoever. 
And, and I don't think Joe goes into the game with a short leash whatsoever either. I don't think he has a short leash right now. But again, I, I talked earlier, I, I think this is is the most important game on Tennessee's schedule because I, I think it's going to swing the season one way or another, either in a very positive way and Tennessee goes out and wins six or seven games and meets and exceeds expectations in year one uh, under Josh Heupel. If they lose this game, then I think they're about a five-win football team that's scrapping and clawing the rest of the way to get to six wins. And so with the importance of this game at stake, I can see where if Joe misses some guys wide open down the field like he did last week, then maybe Heupel making a change at halftime. Uh, even if it's a close game, even if he hasn't had any, um, and I hate to bring them up, but JG level mistakes of like pick sixes against Kentucky, even if he ha- doesn't have those mistakes, I could still see Heupel potentially going to Hendon Hooker, maybe to start the second half uh, to try to get the team going, uh, energize them. If it's mental errors from Joe Milton in the first half, because uh, you you can correct the deep ball to Cedric Tillman. And Tillman said that those, those were plays that Tennessee hit on yeah. during fall camp. And uh, they were working, working to correct those during practice this week, and, and he did not expect that to be an issue going forward. And, and honestly, watching it live and thinking after the game and even before we hear, heard Tillman talk, the deep balls that were missed weren't my biggest concern in the first place. My biggest concerns were the – the guys running wide open down the middle of the field or the back out of the backfield that didn't have 30 yards, anybody within 30 yards of him that he just missed. Yep. Uh, that to me was the the bigger concern and he can't do that. So um, Joe Milton, he has to play well. It's not all on him. The receivers struggled against Bowling Green defensive backs that really weren't even doing a ton uh, and had some drops in there and the criticism that Joe was throwing the ball too hard. And that's why Jalen dropped the ball. Jalen Hyatt dropped the ball. It's, it's just ridiculous. Got to make the catch. Yes. You, you well, that make that the first catch. one, I'll say it was a little bit behind him, but that was 100% of ball that he should have caught. But in, in the words of Jason Swain, he explained this on the air this week, the ball was behind Jalen on that first one because he ran, he didn't run his route correctly and he threw off the timing of the throw. So I, I know it's easy for us who who did not play football, myself included, to, to see that and think, well, hey, Joe kind of threw it behind him. Well, he actually he did throw it where it was supposed to be, but Jalen Hyatt was incorrect in, in running his route and threw the timing of the ball off. And then he's just got to he, – he has to catch that second one that was practically at the goal line. That, those aren't on Joe. Joe wasn't perfect, but my point is that uh, the protection is going to have to be there. The receivers are going to have to do a good job against a solid secondary that Pitt has. Uh, and Joe just – he has to be locked in mentally. That To me, that that's uh, the biggest thing this week is, is you got to be locked in mentally. you got to be able to, to see those guys wide open because you have to hit on big plays in these type of games. Yeah, uh, that's a perfect example right there of, um, you know, we as fans, we don't understand what's going on even us as media members who are you know closer to the team than anybody, we still don't know the specific blocking schemes. We still don't know the specific, you know, what they're reading on a route and stuff like this. I mean, a former, as you mentioned earlier, a former Bojangles player of the week and myself, I don't know wide receiver. I mean, I know routes because I had to cover them, but I don't, 
I don't know where they're breaking or anything. I don't know their splits. I don't know any of that. Um, I don't know. I never played quarterback. I, I don't know what you're taught. If you're taught to just look at your first or second read, I would imagine not to, but um, you know, maybe he was, I don't know, but you know, to, to all your points there, I mean, Milton has got to, you know, the, the, yeah, if he plays the way he did against Bowling Green for three straight quarters, he will not finish this game. But I, I 100% agree, too. It's not like Heupel sitting over there like, all right, Joe, you get five errors. Hey, Hendon, when his five's up, you got nah, – that's not the case. I don't believe that's the case. But, you know, Tennessee's ended to win football games. And, you know, if it comes to a point to where you need to make a move to go win a football game, I believe that would happen. You saw – I mean, obviously, we know all about his physical makeup and, and what he can do. But even, even in a game where he was, you know, tremendously struggling, he was still impacting the game with his legs. They were calling design keeps. I mean, they were running the heck out of him. Uh, only 14, according to the quickie stat sheet that I have next to me, only 14 attempts. Gosh, I felt like it was so much more. But design draws, design keeps, um, you know, in short yardage situations, the the, the zone reads, and, and even on that touchdown run, he, he misread it, but just out-athleted himself into the end zone. You know, that's the type of stuff that can really change a game of what he can bring. Hendon Hooker can do some of those things, but not nearly to the level of a of a Joe Milton. Hendon Hooker can run the speed option a little bit better, but overall that other stuff, you know, Joe really brings that to the table. And that's just another element that Hypel and Halsey and, and Gullish can kind of scheme up on. But uh, it doesn't matter if you if you can't uh, string together some com- completed passes and and uh, you gotta hope that Joe Milton can break out of that funk uh here moving forward today. So Look at Tennessee's secondary going up against Kenny Pickett. This is, again, pit O, Tennessee defense. Very intriguing to me. You pointed out the, uh, the the stable of running backs back there for Pitt that was just not impressive. You know, one of the one of the worst in the country last year. Uh, you bring back a couple of guys at Vincent Davis. Uh, you've got a scat back. Uh, the guy can't even pronounce his name. You have a guy that's been there a little bit and, and A.J. Davis. But they had no identity around the football. So I think Tennessee with this front seven, a great opportunity, great measuring stick. You know, back in the summer, we had no expectations for this Tennessee defense, this Tennessee front seven. You go out there and pitch a, not a shutout, but you go out there and, and perform very well against this, this running attack that's not supposed to be anything. You feel better about kind of what the, what Tennessee's rush defense can look like. Also, Kenny Pickett, though he's experienced and though he has time on his side and all that, and he's got some playmakers out there. Tennessee has a veteran secondary. Alante Taylor played very well, tackled very well in game one. Theo Jackson had the best game of his life. If you can get performances out of Alante and Theo Jackson again and bring along a Warren Burrell, bring along a Kenneth George Jr. who graded out horribly on pro football focus and your two safeties, I think this matchup with a veteran quarterback, Tennessee's veteran secondary, along with a pass rush you hope from Tennessee's front seven, could be very intriguing. Absolutely. Uh, what what scares me about Pitt's offense isn't its running game, but Kenny Pickett's playmaking ability, his playmaking ability, his ability to to make things happen with his legs, are far more of a concern for me than Pitt's rushing attack, than, than just straight up getting under center and turning around and handing it off to the back. Uh, I would be very surprised if. Uh, Pittsburgh's offensive line pushed Tennessee's defensive line around. Uh, you look at Matthew Butler, and I thought he played extremely well against Bowling Green. Didn't do a ton that showed up in the stats, but did everything a defensive line coach would would want you to do that don't show up in the stat sheet, uh, taking up blocks, um, affecting a, a running play that that is headed your direction. 
uh, pushing the pocket, you know, forcing the the Bowling Green quarterback to to get out of the pocket. So um, I thought Matthew Butler played extremely well. You saw Elijah Simmons get in there and, and move some folks around. Uh, Tyler Barron played pretty well. Uh, I, I thought Tennessee's defensive line played well, which they should have against a, a Bowling Green offensive line that was beat at birth, quite frankly. And yep. uh, this Pittsburgh offensive line is is going to be, um, be better. bigger, yeah. better. It's going to have more talent. But I, I still think Tennessee has an advantage when it comes to Tennessee's defensive line going up against Pitt's offensive line. So, again, knowing that, expecting that, I'm not concerned uh, about a, a pit running back room that that doesn't really make you lose sleep at night. Yeah. Uh, they they had a guy returning, Vincent Davis from last year. You mentioned him, uh, ran for 632 yards last year. He was kind of the lone bright spot in the backfield last season. No other pit running back rushed for over 300 yards last year. And a third uh, of those yards for Davis came in one game. Which is just shocking. Right. I mean, if it came in one game, why didn't he have more success throughout the rest of the season? Right. And so you go into the season thinking this guy, Vincent Davis, five foot eight, all five foot eight of them, 170 pounds. He's a little guy. You would think that he'd be kind of the the guy back there getting the most reps. And, and that was not the case at all. In fact, A.J. Davis started the game and he finished with two carries, which is weird. You start a game, you finish with two carries, but whatever. Um, and Todd Sibley, he added two two carries, uh, and then the majority of the snaps went to Rodney Hammond Jr., who had eight. Israel uh, Bonnie Conda, oh, Lord. Uh, he had seven, and then Vincent Davis, the guy who was kind of the leading rusher last year, finished with six. So there there wasn't one guy making plays at, at the, the running back position for Pitt against UMass, and uh, nothing that Tennessee should be worried about uh, on on paper, at, at least. So again, I, I think Kenny Kenny Pickett's playmaking ability is more of a concern than Pittsburgh's rushing attack. Pitt treated UMass as a third scrimmage and went out and won fifty one to seven to kind of bring everything you said in full circle. Five different running backs scored a touchdown for Pitt against UMass last week. Seven different players scored touchdowns overall on, on offense. Two players recorded over fifty receiving yards. Uh, the tight end, uh, Lucas Kroll being one of them. Five players had at least 40 yards receiving. Seven players had at least 30 yards receiving. So can you say involved? Everybody was getting involved for Pitt, so it's kind of hard to take away like who might be their main guys moving forward. So a couple minutes left here on the pod, Ben. I'm just going to say you know, one thing that Tennessee needs to accomplish. We'll get the bold predictions and final predictions here in a moment. One thing Tennessee needs to accomplish if the Vols are going to pull off this upset, the line is sitting at three, you know, at three or three and a half in most books, is Joe Milton and the intermediate passing game. You look in quarter number one, I think, I think Joe Milton was eight of nine with passes, you know, 15 yards or, or, or below. Uh, that's just simple dink and dunk, some ends, some slants, some, some rollouts, some, uh, you know, just some simple things to get Joe Milton going, and that's where he was most effective, and that was early in the game. Go right back to that. Why? I mean, especially if you're running the football like you did against Bowling Green, which you won't, but if you're establishing the run and you have a running uh, presence in this football game, um, then go with some play action as well. You know, mix and match some of that. Let Joe Milton get out there and throw, you know, outside of the pocket, which I think that he flourishes a little bit better, but that short to intermediate range, and then let him work himself up. So I think that's one thing that has to go well for Tennessee and for Joe Milton, you know, for Tennessee to to, to really, you know, make this a ball game and ultimately, you know, pull off a, a victory here today if that happens. 
Yeah, that, that's the clear-cut thing that needs to happen uh, if you're Tennessee. Joe Milton has to play well. The, the passing attack in, in general has to be efficient. I mean, that, that has to happen. But uh, you summarized that well. So just to kind of go in a different direction, I, I'm going to say that Tennessee needs to, to win the turnover battle. And I, I realize that that is the, the cliche for every coach in America at the high school, college, and pro level. But it, it, it truly is even more emphasized in, in this game to me. Because like a team like Alabama, uh, Georgia, you know, the, those elite teams, they can pretty much, not all the time, but there are games that they can play in which they don't outright win the turnover margin, win the turnover battle, and they have so much talent that's going to make up for it that they're still going to win the football game. Uh, Tennessee can't be minus three in turnover margin in this game. They, they will lose. No bones about it because uh, although I think the defense will will play fairly well and allow the offense some time to, to maybe get going and, and be cohesive and generate some momentum, they're not good enough to, to play just a juggernaut defense for all four quarters. They're, they're not going to keep Pitt off the board completely. They're, they're, they're not that talented. So um, the defense is going to have to help the offense out, and the offense is going to have to help the defense out. The offense can't put the defense in, in just really bad situations, short, short field situations. Uh, Milton, which aside from the sack, which uh, because we don't know the the assignments on, on we plays. think at least I think again to your point, don't know. I think that was on RB eight. I think that was Tyon that was out there. Cade blocked out. Javante Spragans blocked in. They both had a guy. The backer split them through that B gap. Tyon Evans stepped up in A gap and didn't even see him. And so I think it was on the back. But again, you know, I don't know for sure. So we'll, we'll go with your assumption. That's not on Joe Milton. Maybe he didn't recognize it pre-snap and didn't communicate it to Tyon. We, we just don't know. But my point is, Joe did do a good job of taking care of the football against Bowling Green. Uh, really only had one one pass that I can remember that that looked like when he threw it. It was like, oh, snap, that, that, that may be intercepted. And that was when he was throwing to the far side of the field on a short comeback route for, for a receiver. I don't remember which one. And I thought it was going to be picked picked off quite frankly when when he threw it 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 looked like a pick six but Joe did a good job of of taking care of the football against Bowling Green he's going to have to do that again so he doesn't put the defense in bad spots and then because we don't expect the offense to just play perfect football the defense is going to have to give the offense more opportunity so uh, I know it's a cliche but in in big time football games very important football games you have to win the turnover margin Tennessee was able to to get its hands on some footballs against Bowling Green and, and weren't able to finish the play. And uh, Tim Banks talked about it like, hey, it's good that you're getting your hands on the football, but at some point you have, you have to make that play and, and pay it off. And this is the game that you have to do so. One bold prediction. We're going to do this every single week. Uh, some of the guys on the general quarters were asking for bold predictions last week. I was I was far off. I said four turnovers created. That didn't happen. I believe you hit it right on the nail. Didn't you say two backs over 100 yards? Yep, I said Jabari Small and Tyon over 100 yards. Obviously, listen to Ben and not me in this segment because <laughs> that was good. Bold predictions are meant always. to, you know, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, go out on a ledge here. Tennessee will get a special teams touchdown in this ballgame. In ball games that are toss-ups, and ball games where you are the underdog, a tremendous challenge. You need all three phases of the game. You might not get all three of them, but you need to win two. 
you know, Tennessee might struggle offensively. Tennessee might struggle defensively. You've got to have special teams to step up and create a difference. Field position, flipping the field via punts. Uh, Paxson Brooks only had two kickoffs that went in for uh, for touchbacks after he kicked it off, what, six, seven times? Uh, seven that was times. surprising, too. That was very surprising. He's got to get more touchbacks. He, he punted the ball well. He averaged 49 yards per punt, which is good. Um, but Valus Jones Jr. deep back there, he was not a <clears throat> excuse me, he was not a factor at wide receiver much in game number one. I expect that to change. But you know, can he spring one? Can you find a lane and, and can you take one to the house? Whether it be Theo or Trayvon or whoever does returning punts, which I didn't think they did a good job in game number one at, at all. That needs to improve. Can, can you find a lane to go and really make an impact in this football game? So special teams, my bold prediction, gonna find the end zone somehow. Maybe it's a Call scoop score. Yeah, maybe it's a block punt. I don't know. We will no, see. No, no, but no, uh, no, no, no. Call your shot. How, how is it going to happen? Call your shot, Caner. All right. So yeah, let me just make it let, bold, baby. Let's go block punt, and uh, I don't even know who's on the the punt return team. Let's Lenith Whitehead seems like a guy that's on punt return uh, as a special teams guy. He'll scoop and score. Yeah, that that, that you talk about bold block punt. Lenith Whitehead picks it up, scoop and score. Tennessee's on the board. And you don't even know if he's on like the punt I, I coverage team. I know that he's on kickoff return because he had a return the other week. <laughs> I do. I would imagine that he is on punt return team. But uh, I, I, if that happens, I, I may just get up out of the press box and just go home at, at that moment. Like Kane has won the day, the weekend, the month, the year. Will you like, quit Tennessee your job? Like win. You, will you quit your job like you would if Bowling Green beat Tennessee? No, okay. no. Okay. Because the, the, there, there's more of a chance of this happening than Bowling Green beating Tennessee. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> My bold prediction is that Joe Milton hits two passes for 40 or more yards, 40 to 50, whatever in that range. He hits two deep balls. Uh, I, I don't think that the Bowling Green game was an accurate representation of the deep ball for Joe Milton. I, I think he is far more capable of hitting those passes than he showed. Maybe I'm being naive. That is very possible. Uh, to be quite honest, I don't have a ton of confidence in in my bold prediction, but hey, that's why it's bold. Yep. But uh, I'm going to take Cedric Tillman's word for it, and he says that that wasn't a problem during fall camp for the most part. And uh, I think Milton's going to going to hit on two deep balls. I, I don't know if that's 40 to 50 yards, but we all know what a deep ball looks like. Milton hits on two of them, and Kane, if 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 he if he hits on two of them, you got to like Tennessee's chances, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it changes the game again. Just like if he would have connected with Tillman there in game number one, it changes the whole conversation that we're having about Joe Milton today and, and all week long. So if he's able to connect on those against those cornerbacks, receivers bending back, getting separation, yeah, you got to like Tennessee's chances for sure coming up later today. All right, we've each, we've reached the end of Game Quest Pittsburgh Edition. Final predictions time. A lot of you guys listening already saw our final predictions. The picks are in uh, column yesterday, but just to reiterate, I am going to take Pittsburgh. Final score Ooh. 31-27. Hate mail at underscore Kaner. I know a lot of you guys will send it. Um, maybe I'm just in the got to see it to believe it category, but I just think that Pittsburgh's got so much better. Um, Pittsburgh has several more Gosh, how do I say this? Better matchups than Tennessee. Uh, front seven versus offensive line. Uh, experienced quarterback, you know, second layer of the defense, super inexperienced for Tennessee. Just kind of stuff, cornerbacks against wide receivers. You know, Pittsburgh's checking all those boxes right now. So I think it'll be a close one. I think it'll be a great game. 
But if I'm giving a prediction right now, I will say Pittsburgh 31, Tennessee 27. Ben McKee, birthday boy, what you got? Well, it's my birthday, and I've already guaranteed a W. So uh, Tennessee wins 28 to 27. Okay. It is it is going to be a game in which Tennessee's defensive front must make a, a play at the end of the game. Kenny Pickett's going to be on the field, two-minute drill, trying to storm down the field to win this game on the road in Neyland Stadium in the Johnny Majors Classic. All orange. All orange. And Matthew Butler comes up with a big play to to either turn the ball over or turn over on downs, but to stop the pit drive and win Tennessee the game. I think the difference in the game is going to be Tennessee's defensive line going up against Pittsburgh's offensive line. This game will be determined in the trenches, either in a good way for Tennessee and the matchup that I just mentioned or in a bad way for Tennessee. I think uh, – Everybody needs to circle Kalijah Clancy, their their defensive tackle, and yep. watch that matchup in the interior. Uh, Tennessee has to to slow him down uh, if they want to have offensive success. But I, I don't know that Pitt's offensive line is is going to be able to uh, slow down Tennessee's defensive Elijah line. Elijah Simmons like played very well last week. You know who and else again, played well? Amari okay. Thomas. Yeah, yeah. And again, Bowling Green's offensive line, we've said it time and time again, it's nothing compared to even compared to what they're going to see today, and especially in two weeks when SEC play gets kicked off. So I would agree yeah, with you there. Even, even today, there, it's not going to be like a huge step forward uh, in terms of O line that they're going up against. So I think they stopped the run for the most part. And, and I think that really limits what Kenny Pickett can do, uh, especially when late in the game, they're, they're going to be very predictable, in my opinion, because the run has been. Uh, stopped. So I think I think Tennessee's defensive front um, wins this football game and does enough to to allow Tennessee's offense to put up enough points on the board to win it. All right, game quest Pittsburgh edition is in the books again. Special shout out to Smoky Mountain Organics. I uh, want to start by welcoming all the new Vol fans. So at any location, if you mention Fall Quest, you're going to get 50 percent off your total purchase price. That's on in-store purchases only. Smoky Mountain Organics. Four locations, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and the newest location in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across from Traders Joe. Uh, ben, happy birthday, my friend. Hopefully, Tennessee will get a victory for you on your birthday. I look forward to uh, watching the game and covering the game with you, my friend. And, of course, we will have continued coverage all throughout the game. We'll have a thread in the general quarters uh, during the game. We'll have post-game reaction videos, Josh Heupel, and players will have our key takeaways. We'll have our mini pod following the game and tons of recruiting coverage as well coming up this weekend. For the birthday boy, Ben McKee, I am Eric Kane. You've been listening to Game Quest, Pittsburgh edition here on VolQuest.com. You've been listening to Game Quest, a VolQuest pregame podcast with Ben McKee and Eric Kane. Stay dialed in to VolQuest.com for complete game day coverage. This has been Game Quest, a VolQuest production.